0: The most to radio show the Even the other stations are tuned in too.
1: Hey guys, it's Logan from Coaster Kids, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Taylor Bybee.
2: And I'm Sarah. And we're
1: from Coaster Studios.
2: And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast.
3: Hey, what's going on everyone? My name is Clint Novak, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Tucker, host of the podcast 91 Reasons, and the creator of the YouTube
0: channel Tucker Time. And you're listening to something that's better than both of those. The Coaster Challenge Podcast. I accept the Coaster Challenge. I accept the Coaster Challenge. I accept the Coaster Challenge.
1: I accept the Coaster Challenge. I accept the Coaster Challenge.
0: I accept the Coaster Challenge. I accept the Coaster Challenge.
3: I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge?
1: What is the Coaster Challenge? a group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the coaster challenge. Here are your hosts, David Cantu and Jenna
0: Gazelle. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great, how's it going, Dave? It's going good, going good. Happy February 12th. Almost Valentine's Day getting very close, very close. I will say Valentine's Day is the one holiday that the retail stores just created just to make money.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) On a side note, I want to do a shout out. Can I do that? Yeah.
0: What's the shout out for today?
1: I want to wish Michael pass a happy anniversary early.
0: Ah, yeah. How many years now? Three wow it's been three years yes I mean, it it's doesn't been three feel years. like it i know right it doesn't, doesn't feel like it feels like you guys were just together not too long ago i mean it's been that long it's wow. been three years well i have to say it's been three incredible years for you guys you guys have really formed a great relationship
1: yep hopefully we continue it out
0: i think you guys i think i, I think it's you guys really do go good together and uh i know there's a lot of people out there you know it's like it's it's really hard to find somebody special These days, yeah, it it really is hard. I've been down that road. You know, it's just all I can tell people is it will happen. And don't, you know, for those that don't get to celebrate Valentine's Day this year, I will just say for those that are single, take yourself out on a date, take yourself to a nice dinner, and take yourself to a nice movie. I've done that many times in the past. I've been given that advice by many great friends who have been down that road. But I will tell everybody that love will happen. When, when you, it happens. When when it, when you at least expect it.
1: Focus on you. Yeah. Love yourself. Can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself first.
0: And I've always been told that you always need to put yourself first. If you put yourself first, take good care of yourself and just do the things you love to do and just getting involved. Like getting involved in the coaster community and just meeting people and networking you will find that special somebody out there. You, it, it always will happen. No matter if it's the roller coaster community or any other hobby you're into, you will always find somebody out there that has that same interest and it will just, before you even know it, bam, it will just happen.
1: It'll hit you like a ton of bricks.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, You weren't kidding. It definitely can hit you like a ton of bricks. Well, we hope everyone, those out there, will have a wonderful Valentine's Day. And for this week, we've actually got a very special guest in the house today. We've got a VIP in the house jen yay vips yes iva is standing by with a very special person we've got grace peacock she is the communications of canada's wonderland uh this is the second park official we have had on our podcast in our first on our first season jen that's crazy It's really an honor to have Grace on today, and I can't wait to hear her conversation with Iva. But first, we are going to do our lovely segment called the YouTube Highlight Highlight Clip of the the week. Week. YouTube Clip of the Week. All right, in this week's YouTube highlight clip of the week, you know, last week we've been uh, doing like these top 10, top 15, top 20s, and we decided we want to keep that going because it's always nice to see what is considered one of the most, we've seen the last week we, thanks to the YouTuber Top Fives, Top Fives actually has another great uh, top 15 Uh, Chart. And so last week, we last week's YouTube highlight clip of the week, we shared his 15 weird theme park rides. This week, Jen, we actually are going to be sharing the top 15 scariest attractions in the world. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But instead, I think, like I said, I actually, it's like, it's one thing to talk about it, but I think I would like our listeners to just be able to hear his top 15. So we have it right here on the podcast today for you guys to listen to the top 15 scariest attractions in the world by the YouTuber top five. Take a listen.
3: The coasters and other attractions are generally thrilling and fun. The ones in today's video, however, are dangerous and scary. They're among the most death-defying and downright insane rides ever designed. Let's take a look at the top 15 most scary attractions in the world. Number 15, Formula Rossa. Roller coasters are the most intense attractions at every amusement park around the world, and designers continue to push the limits of what's possible while keeping riders safe. The perfect coaster mixes speed, the sense of danger, and insane twists and turns to leave guests thoroughly shaken and entertained and by far the scariest of all is the Formula Rossa at Ferrari World in Abu Dhabi. First opened in 2010, it's a hydraulic launch coaster that boasts the fastest speeds in the world. It accelerates to 149.1 miles per hour in just 4.9 seconds, and throughout the ride, passengers experience loads of up to 4.8 G. At 1.4 miles long, it's also the sixth longest steel coaster in the world. But because it travels so fast, the ride is over within 1 minute and 32 seconds. The idea is that it replicates the feeling of driving a Formula One car, and it certainly delivers. Traveling at such a velocity doesn't come without its risks though. Everyone is required to wear safety goggles to ensure the air pressure doesn't damage their eyes, and the ride can only operate during clear weather conditions. Because any rain or dust particles will feel like heavy rocks smashing into you when you're moving at these speeds. Number 14. Tianmen Shan cable car. Even though they've been used for decades to access difficult-to-reach mountainous regions, there's something about the way cable cars are suspended in the air solely by a thin wire that continues to scare and thrill tourists the world over. We know in our minds that it's a relatively safe way to travel, but in the moment, with such extreme heights involved, they managed to make even the most hardened of people cling for dear life. Without a doubt, the most frightening and stunning cable car experience anywhere in the world is at the Tianmen Mountain in China, where it takes passengers from the city center of Zhangjiajie to the Air Garden, which is on the 4,980-foot summit. At a length of 4.6 miles, it's the longest cable car in the world, and it takes 28 minutes to complete the journey. And this is one of the steepest cable car inclines you'll ever experience, at more than 30 degrees at points. Some of the most beautiful mountain scenery anywhere on Earth, and very little sign of human activity. You can't help but wonder quite what would happen if any of the machinery went wrong. As with all cable cars, this one is closed during high winds and unfavorable weather conditions. And if you just so happen to be on board when this happens, it's potentially a long wait before operations resume once more. Number 13. Insanity. Las Vegas is one of the most popular tourist destinations in the world, attracting people from far and wide to take advantage of the range of attractions and shows that are on offer. But if the excitement and fears of the casinos aren't enough for you, then you should visit the northernmost resort on the Strip, the Stratosphere, which has some of the most frightening rides on Earth. It's the second tallest observation tower in North America but it's not content with the fright of offering visitors panoramic views of Sin City. At the top of the structure, you'll also find several rides which hold you out over the edge. Probably the most gut-wrenching of all is appropriately named Insanity. and is a spinner ride where guests sit on a claw-like arm before being rotated beyond the side of the building and then spun until they can't take it anymore. At a height of 900 feet above the ground, this is definitely not one for people with vertigo. And there have been several occasions since it opened in 2005 where, due to mechanical failure, people have become stuck on it for more than 90 minutes also featuring a roller coaster and vertical drop ride it's no wonder that the stratosphere has become a popular addition to the strip for extreme ride enthusiasts and why it's often said to be one of the scariest attractions in the world number 12 kilimanjaro waterslide named after the tallest mountain in tanzania the kilimanjaro water slot at the aquas Quentes country club in rodovia brazil currently holds the record of being the tallest water slide in the world. Just under 164 feet high, it hasn't always maintained this honor. But because it's proven to be a safe design, it's been able to keep operating since it first opened in 2002. The structure towers over the rest of the water park and can be seen for miles around. It's a body slide, which means riders don't use rafts on it which makes it all the more scary when you start the descent, because with an incline of 60 degrees, you'll soon be reaching speeds of up to 62 miles an hour. It's said that at least one in three people turn back once they reach the top and see what's in store, which is all the more surprising considering how long it actually takes to climb the stairs, but proves just how scary the slide actually is, and how brave you need to be to take it on. There have been taller slides in the past, but with extra height come safety issues that parks have yet to overcome, so it's likely Kilimanjaro will remain the biggest water slide for many years to come. Number 11, volcano boarding. Since the invention of skateboarding, people have been looking for other ways to enjoy the thrill of using a board to move at fast speeds and perform tricks. And while you have heard of wakeboarding and snowboarding, Have you ever heard of volcano boarding before? It has its roots in sandboarding, which became popular in the 1970s and 80s. But with the added complication of steep slopes and the volcanic surroundings, it takes the danger and thrill to a whole new level. Because you need specific conditions for it to be possible, there are only a couple of places around the world where volcano boarding is possible. And the most popular is on the slopes of Cerro Negro in Nicaragua. Riders climb the steep slopes with their plywood boards and then slide down the side, either sitting or standing along the smooth volcanic sand. As it's an active volcano, extreme caution must be taken, and riders are required to wear safety gear to prevent injuries. There's a risk that you might be hit by flying molten lava, and there's a real concern that inhaling the dusty particles and gases in the area can cause serious damage to your lungs. Still, there's no extreme sport quite like it, and it would surely be more popular if there were more volcanoes where it could be done. 10. Blaukrein's Bridge While various communities around the world have used methods similar to bungee jumping for centuries, the modern-day activity like we think of it first took place in the late 1970s by a group of extreme sports enthusiasts from Oxford University and it would only be in 1986 that the world's first commercial bungee jump operator would begin trading. Since then, people have seemingly attached bungee cords to virtually anything they can think of, but while records have been set from unbelievable setups, the venues available for ordinary people to jump from remain much less precarious. This doesn't take away the thrill of a jump though, and the current highest commercial bungee jump in the world is at Blaukruns Bridge in South Africa. People started first jumping from the bridge in 1990, and it's been operating in its current form since 1997. At a height of 709 feet above the Blaukrenz River, there is no doubt that this is one of the most insane and scariest bungee jumps you can ever do, and one that only the bravest of people should attempt. Number 9. Nagoro People have to live near where they can work, and as a result, it's not too uncommon to see once thriving villages around the world losing large numbers of residents, when employment opportunities dry up as they're forced to move elsewhere. While most places that suffer this fate end up looking like ghost towns, there's a place in Japan that's become far creepier. The town of Nagoro is on the island of Shikoku, and in recent years has become known as the Doll Village. Once home to around 300 people, its population has plummeted to around 35, but a tradition that began in the early 2000s has now made it a strange tourist attraction in its own right. Tsukimi Ayano's family had left the area when she was young but returned to look after her father when he fell ill. To pass the time, she decided to make a doll in his image that she placed in one of the fields. And she didn't stop there. She has gone on to make hundreds of them, some that represent villagers that have moved away or died, others that are effigies or visitors or completely made-up people. There are now at least 400 of them throughout the village, and the surrounding area, all of which are positioned in lifelike poses. She's now not the only one who makes the dolls, with schoolchildren joining in and other remaining residents, too. Number 8. Boating at the Iguazu Falls On the border between the Argentine province of Misiones and the Brazilian state of Parana is one of the most beautiful Geographical formations in the world the Iguazu Falls According to legend they were the result of a vengeful God slicing the river in half You can see why people have believed this to be the case It's where the Iguazu River passes over an area of soft bedrock And the way it's carved its way through over the centuries now means that depending on the water flow There can be as many as 300 distinct waterfalls in the region As much as half of the water flows through a particularly treacherous area known as the Devil's Throat, which is a particular highlight for tourists who can walk along a trail right alongside it to take in the power of the falls for themselves. Those who want a more extreme experience, however, can take an inflatable jet boat tour, which takes them perilously close to the cascading waters. These tours are very popular because of the unparalleled views you get of the place, but obviously come with inherent risk. Passengers will undoubtedly get soaked, there have been instances where the boats have capsized, and even one that vanished without a trace. It's one of the scariest boat rides you can take in the world, but surely one that's worth the risk? Number seven, Dracula's Castle, Transylvania. Visitors to the central Romanian region of Transylvania are often surprised to find such glorious countryside and mountainous terrain. But amongst the hills at an elevation of 2,500 feet is one of the most famous structures in the world, Bran Castle. For tourism purposes, it's more commonly known as Dracula's Castle and is the closest building in the region to the famous location from Bram Stoker's stories. It doesn't bear any resemblance to how Stoker described the home of the vampire, however, and it's questionable whether the author even saw it. But with countless tourists visiting the region each year, locals needed a focal point to direct them towards. This means that while it wasn't necessarily the inspiration of the legend, the castle has now been inextricably entwined with the stories of Dracula, and as a result is one of the most scary and creepy places in the whole country. First built in the 12th century, it was mainly used as a fort to protect local residents and colonists from roving hordes. There's no doubt that it was an important refuge for enemies of Vlad the Impaler, upon whom the character of Dracula was based during the 15th century. There are even suggestions that the king was imprisoned at Bran Castle for a time, other records suggest his time behind bars may have been somewhere else entirely, but because of its ominous and haunting design, Bran Castle was said to be the place to instill fear in his supporters. Wherever the truth may lie, you can't deny that Bran Castle is an imposing Gothic building and has a horribly creepy vibe surrounding it after being central to the brutal history of the region. And it's certainly one of the most frightening places that you can ever visit. Number six, Zhangjiajie Grand Canyon Glass Bridge. In recent years, thanks to the wider availability of tough materials, regions around China have begun installing a brand new type of tourist attraction, glass bridges that are completely see-through. There are now thought to be at least 2,300 of them in China alone, but the one that stands out above the rest is the Zhangjiajie Grand Canyon Glass Bridge. Stretching between two mountain cliffs in the National Forest Park, the 1,410 foot long structure was the biggest glass bridge in the world when it opened in 2016 and is suspended 980 feet above the valley floor beneath. It's made up of a metal frame upon which 120 glass panels were placed, each of which is three layers thick of two-inch tempered glass. Even though the rules of physics mean the bridge should be safe, there have been several safety concerns about the design. It was closed just two weeks after the grand opening because so many people arrived to see it for themselves that it couldn't handle the loads. Having been designed to hold 800 people at a time and accommodate 8,000 visitors a day, more than 10 times the number were showing up, and urgent adaptations had to be made. If you're not scared enough just by walking over the bridge, then operators have some tricks up their sleeves to make sure it's a day you'll remember. There's a harness swing attached to the bottom of it for thrill-seekers, and there are employees whose only job it is to walk along the bridge with a sledgehammer and smash some of the glass that so the top layer visibly cracks beneath people's feet. Number 5. Steel Dragon 2000 Steel Dragon 2000 is a steel roller coaster at the Nagashima Spa Land in the Miei Prefecture of Japan. When it opened at the turn of the century, it broke a number of records, and to this day it remains the longest steel roller coaster in the world, with a length of 8,133 feet. The track has a maximum height of 318 feet, with a drop of 307 feet, and trains can reach a top speed of 95 miles per hour, which makes it one of the fastest lift hill coasters on Earth. Beyond the usual thrills of helixes, hills, and sweeping turns, there are two tunnels along the route, and is often cited as one of the most extreme coasters you can ride on. Incredibly, it costs more than $52 million to build, which is far more than most steel coasters. This is because far more steel was needed in its construction to ensure that it would be able to endure an earthquake. And this is an ever-present danger if you do go on the ride. There have also been several accidents since it first opened including one where a train lost a wheel and detached from the track, and you could be taking much more of a risk by riding this coaster than you would be with any other. Number 4. The Cage of Death Even though humans have become the dominant species on Earth, there's still plenty of creatures that can cause us serious harm if we get too close. This danger means that we're often fascinated by such powerful animals, and while shark diving is now a common attraction around the world, there's a place in Darwin, Australia that goes one better by putting you in an enclosure with a ferocious saltwater crocodile. Known as the Cage of Death, visitors are locked inside a 1.5 inch thick acrylic box and are lowered into the Salty's tank. A large piece of meat is attached beneath the cage to attract the croc towards the thrill-seekers and they are left there for 15 minutes while a 20-foot long 2,000-pound beast thrashes against the walls. As with all experiences like this, it's probably best not to read up about the safety record before you go because if you do, you'll either decide against taking the risk, or will be in for one of the most frightening times of your life. While every precaution has to be made to ensure that the cage of death is totally safe, there have been a few incidents that ramp up its danger. In 2011, one of the cables used to lower the cage broke, and the cage along with the people inside it fell into the tank. It struck the base, cracked, and a foot-long piece broke off. But luckily on that occasion, the croc stayed clear and watched the panic ensue. Number 3. Edgewalk. At 1,815 feet high, the CN Tower in Toronto, Canada is the tallest observation tower in North America and after opening in 1976 it had given millions of tourists a unique view out across the city and one that tests their nerves. Of course, within the safety of the structure, only the worst vertigo sufferers face too many difficulties, but in 2011, a new attraction opened that would change all that, called the Edge Walk. Those who are brave enough can walk on the roof of the main pod of the tower at a height of 1,168 feet. Attached by a harness There's a 5 foot wide metal floor around the perimeter, and you can walk hands-free around it all. There's just enough slack in the cables for people to lean over the edge in an experience that really challenges you to trust the equipment. Unsurprisingly, Edgewalk is only open during certain times of the year during calm weather. Because the tower is often subjected to strong storms and covered in ice, which would make it far too dangerous. Even with a safety harness. It's now become one of the most popular attractions in the city, and definitely one of the scariest things you can do there. Number 2. Mount Hua Located in the Shanxi province of China, Huanshan is one of the five great mountains of China, and has long been the site of religious significance. With five peaks, it reaches a maximum height of 7,070 feet above sea level, and there are a number of temples and structures over its slopes that attract visitors. If you want to climb the mountain, you can, but you'll be in for a terrifying experience along what is often described as the most dangerous hike in the world. There are narrow pathways, a frightening walk along a steep cliff on wooden planks without safety harnesses, and unpredictable weather patterns that can reduce visibility and cover the area in water within just a few minutes warning. With increased tourism to the area and reports of fatal accidents, authorities have worked to improve the overall safety of the hike. They have cut wider pathways, built stone staircases, and added railings on the most dangerous parts. But even so, you take your life into your own hands by beginning the ascent. Of course, if you want to see what there is at the top and don't want to take such a risk, you could just travel up by cable car instead. Number 1. Yukon Striker Rollercoaster designs are becoming increasingly radical as amusement parks compete to attract the world's thrill-seekers. And In 2019, Canada's Wonderland in Ontario put itself on the map with the opening of the Yukon Striker. This 3,625 foot long steel roller coaster reaches a maximum height of 223 feet, reaches a top speed of 81 miles per hour, and currently holds the records for being the tallest, longest, and fastest dive coaster in the world. It also has the most inversions of any dive coaster, the longest drop, and is the only one to have a full vertical loop. The ride begins by climbing the 223 foot lift hill. Once at the top, the train hangs over the edge of one of the 90 degree drop for a few seconds before plummeting 245 feet. Into an underwater tunnel where it reaches its top speed. Cars then shoot out of the tunnel into the world's largest Immelmann loop before hitting a zero-g roll, a 360 degree vertical loop, and another Immelmann loop. Following this is an airtime hill and a 360 degree helix section before slowly returning to the station. In total the ride lasts for just 205 seconds but it's so packed with elements that there's hardly a chance to catch your breath. The Yukon Striker immediately became the scariest and most thrilling dive coaster on earth, and is one of the best steel coasters of any type, and it surely proves that there's still a long way left to go in terms of roller coaster designs, and the limits that can be pushed. It makes you wonder, what's coming next?
0: Wow. All I can say, Jen, is wow. How would you like to go visit a volcano and go volcano boarding, Jen? Uh, Um... No, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that I've never seen anything like that before ever. I've never knew anybody would like to go almost like snow snowboarding down a volcano, a bunch, a bunch of uh, lava ash.
1: Yeah, no, no, no,
0: (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with these people, but no. i will say there were some pretty crazy and i would say would be scariest attractions and for those that want to face their fears these would be some pretty ideal things to do but that one in china the cable car oh my goodness those canyons Mm. that is the longest 28 minute cable car ride just better hope that cable don't snap
1: that gave (laughs) me chills yeah mm,
0: i don't know about some of those ones I will say that they mentioned Formula Rosa. I have a lot of coaster friends that have actually been to Abu Dhabi and have been on that. They say it's a really awesome ride, and I think this is something Jen and Mike would really enjoy doing.
1: Oh, yeah. He can't find a roller coaster here in the US that's fast enough. I could so see him on that one.
0: Well, I know he wants to ride Kingda Ka this year. And I know Kingda Ka would probably technically be the fastest launch in the United States. But yeah, if he wants to ride the fastest one in the world, he needs to go down to Abu Dhabi and do 150 miles per hour in (laughs) 4.3 seconds. Formula Rossa, I know know quite a few friends have ridden it. I really want to ride it someday. But I feel like if I'm going to go that far part of the world, I need to go with somebody who's been in that country.
1: Right. So. i i i i'll i'll give that one to you you can take him on that one
0: not my cup cup of
1: tea right there
0: no nope, no nope, i'm good <laughs> but i think the most interesting one is that castle in trans uh was it trans, uh, transylvania
1: dracula's castle yeah i want to go there
0: it looks like a really amazing castle
1: i want to go to romania my niece, Rose, is from Romania. She wants to take take us there one time.
0: But I would really love to go there. Another interesting one, I think I would do okay. It would be that in China, that glass bridge.
1: I don't know if I could handle that one.
0: I don't know, but I mean, that- it's pretty amazing mm. that they have that.
1: I, I find it very funny that the the last clip of that, they showed the glass breaking and the guy like literally jumped up holding onto the side of the of the walkway. Because he, he it was just like as he's walking, the gr- the glass is cracking underneath him. Mm, I, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit too much for me.
0: Anyway, but what, especially that, that canyon over also in China, that very steep canyon, it's got like these little wood planks. There's like no guardrails. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like...
1: And no restraint. Like no harnesses to like attach to... Like that, no, I, I'm not okay with that either. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'll i take the stairs, the sky bucket thing to get up to wherever it is. I'm not okay with not having anything attached anywhere. Or
0: let's just say the one in Toronto, Canada, the- there, Waterfalls? There's the, no, the Sky Tower, um, that, that edge walk. Um, yeah. Now I've done the Sky Jump at the Stratosphere stratosphere is about as tall as as the, the tower in toronto but doing an edge walk and just being able to walk along the very edge of that tower and be able to lean forward or backwards mm. that's pretty that's pretty brave
1: uh, that's, that's a lot of courage that's right intense there too
0: yeah very intense um uh, that's something that would be interesting to check out <laughs> someday if i have the courage enough that if i can do the sky jump at stratosphere maybe i might try and do this edge walk <laughs> right so but no i can see you doing that but anyway guys that was a pretty good youtube highlight highlight clip clip of of the the week. week youtube clip of the week all right so iva is standing by with our special vip guest today we've got grace peacock from canada's wonderland on today it's going to be a really awesome interview so take it away iva
2: Thank you, David and Jenna. Hello again, listeners. It's Iva, your Midwest correspondent for the podcast. It's time to secure your seatbelt and lap bar for our guest today. She is the director of communication at Canada's Wonderland, thrill seeker, mother, and an idol for women in the industry. This daredevil even climbed the summit on four of the park's tallest coasters to give us some amazing views. Please welcome to the Coaster Challenge podcast, Grace Peacock.
4: Hi, Iva. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you for being here, Grace.
4: My pleasure. Yes,
2: it is so nice to see you after all this time. I miss you so much.
4: I know it's been a long time. It's just, it's felt like forever uh, since, since the end of 2019. But uh, I think the light is at the end of the tunnel we can see it yes I'm just waiting for that border to open so I can come up and see you <laughs> that's right soon very soon
2: so for our listeners who don't know who you are why don't you
4: introduce yourself and tell us a little about you grace sure yep so um, as you mentioned I'm the director of communications at Canada's Wonderland I've been with the park for it'll be four years and um, I love what I do um, I, I live in the area where the park is grew up around here I grew up going to the park I was at Wonderland when I was a little kid um, I spent my summers there when I was a teenager with my seasons past and then now that I'm a parent I'm coming back to bring my kids to the park all the time and so it really feels like it's a part been a part of my life the whole way through and I think that's the same experience for a lot of our guests that I hear so it's it's really special to be able to to sell fun in the way that I do, right? So I consider myself very lucky to have this position to do what I do.
2: Yeah. And Cedar Fair is all about fun.
4: <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> it's uh, it's a serious business.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing to have a job that you can go in and have fun every day that you work. That's the best thing.
4: Yes, it definitely is. And it, it, when you walk the park and you can see the smiles on people's faces and you know the kids running around with their maps in their hand, looking for what their next adventure is going to be. And to know that, you've had played some part in making that special day it just it it goes a long way you know make you feel special about what you do
2: are you ready to kick off some questions sure i am all right so your first question is what was your first coaster that you rode
4: the first coaster i rode was at canada's wonderland it's uh, one of our original wooden coasters it's the Ghoster coaster and i think that's a lot of people's first roller coaster up here certainly for my kids it is it has been and i think like everybody i know but it's a true original it's themed to uh well it was used to be themed to um Fury's Ghost or Coaster. Yeah, it's a lot of fun even going on it now with my kids. It's just a it's a joyful ride. I'm I'm glad we still have it and it's like, you know, be, it being such a special memory for me from my childhood. So what was your first big coaster then? <laughs> Up from that it was Dragon Fire. So that's Dragon? our um it's an, another original that's still with us. It's it's funny to see it today because it, it used to be so intimidating to see it. It's got two loops, uh, helix, a helix, different inversions but now it's it's completely dwarfed by Leviathan which stands right over to <laughs> it looks so tiny but it was terrifying at the time that was my first upside down roller coaster it's made by yeah, arrow isn't it that's right that's right that's yeah and it's obviously it's mascot is a, a, a dragon who i just found out um, his name is dwayne the dragon in my research i was doing for the parks 40th which is funny and we have a statue of him too out front of the at front of the coaster but it's a good ride you know that
2: was one coaster i did not get a chance to ride while i was there we ran out of time so the next time i come up i definitely have to ride dragon fire
4: yeah you should Sure. Yeah, you should. Since it was part one of the originals too at the park.
2: Yeah, I had to go see its, you know, other monster neighbor, literally the monster (laughs) that's next
4: door to it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody, I think, runs to Leviathan first, and Dragonfire is in the area there, so it's easy to, to step over to that one afterwards, but Leviathan's the, the big draw at the park, as we all know.
2: Up until Yukon Striker, that is. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, that's true. <laughs> so out of the coasters that you've ridden, what is the one coaster that has scared you the most?
4: I'd have to say it's the Bat, at our park. I'm actually, I'm pretty new to the industry. Before uh, my job with Canada's Wonderland, I was um, in journalism. So it's not like I came from another park or I've been an enthusiast my whole life. So I haven't gone around to a lot of parks, but so most of my experience is at Wonderland. And the bat, which is the boomerang we've got, big red one, it was, for whatever reason, the most intimidating to me. And I, talking about fears, I've lived with anxiety my whole life. I had dealt with it when I was a child. And at amusement parks, as much as I you know I'd, I'd love to be there and be at Wonderland, if there was a ride that was intimidating to me, having to wait in the line for it and just have that anticipation build up and build up was... It, it was just horrifying the bat always had a long line anytime i swear i wanted to get on it if, if if there was no line i could just run onto a ride and be brave and get it done and over with and i'd love it but having to wait in the lineup and watch the coaster go above your head and you're thinking about it thinking about it, and you've got at least a 40 minute wait to go i bailed on that line i don't know how many times and i don't know again i don't know what it was about the backs it's not a very long ride but it's for whatever reason it took me a long time to finally get on it And if you know just as we're hearing with a lot of stories as soon as you get on it you love it and that fear is gone but it took me quite a few tries to get through the lineup to get on it and I knew I just had to do it Um, and then once it would be done I would love it and it'd be fine but it's that anticipation and having to think about it for so long before you finally get it over with right I think that's really to be destabilizing. Jet Scream I know it's not a coaster but that was also another one it was our sort of a spaceship attraction that swung around upside down very slowly too. So it would just hang you right upside down and you'd be stuck there upside down for a while before it would swing back over. I had to bail on the lineup for that quite a few times too, because I just had to have a panic panic attack in the lineup. No, I can't do it today. (laughs) But again, it was just try and try again. And eventually I got on it and I loved it. Yeah. I'm trying to think
2: because you rode dragon fire, which is has inversions, the bat has inversions. So I'm thinking unless it's the fact that you were going forward and backwards, maybe.
4: Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because it's only one train, right? Because it's it the capacity flow on there is not as, it's not as high. So maybe it just, the lineups took longer and not give you sure. more time
2: to think about it. And second guess and it's right summer. there
4: and it's right there in your face too like the lineup yeah. is literally under the coaster whereas Dragonfire it's sort of off hidden and you can't you're not watching it the whole time you're in the lineup maybe that's why it's interesting to think about it for whatever reason you know and plus it had like it's got a, this badass logo and it just it was like a bad it's the bad coaster you know it was perfectly safe of course but it just had that reputation so just went to my head I'm sure
2: yeah I'm looking back at all your rides that you've got a lot of the cues are kind of hidden so you can't really see the coaster I Mm -hmm. mean obviously you can with you know some of the bigger ones like Yukon Striker Leviathan Behemoth that are right there but you know with with your Guardians of the um, Mountain and Mm -hmm. Vortex some of them are kind of hidden so where you can't see the coaster layout as much as you can with, you know, the bad and you know, like I said, the bigger ones too. Yeah. So can, and that may make so you, a, that may make a you difference. Yeah. So you kind of don't know what to expect, whereas the bad it's like, oh, this goes forward, backwards, and everything.
4: Yeah. And you've got to be thinking about it constantly while you're waiting every minute in the lineup. Maybe that made it worse.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah that's always one of the my favorite things to going to a new park when I went to Canada's Wonderland for the first time is I didn't go and check out the POVs or anything before I went because I wanted to be surprised at what I was mm. going to be experiencing so that yeah. was one thing that I did want to do is take that initial surprise away from everything
4: yeah that's right yeah if you wanted to you can research everything and learn everything you needed to know about what the experience is going to be like and maybe some people like that but yeah I think I'm with I'm with you I would rather just be just be delighted by the surprise and yeah, not have to think about it too much <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah in fact I remember when my husband and I were in line for guardians all we were getting ready to board the train and all of a sudden we kept hearing screams and we're like what the? <laughs> we're like what the heck is going on and then they'd be coming out of the ride they all be all laughing and stuff and we're like what why are we screaming and then laughing well then we rode it and I'm not giving any spoilers away because if no one has ridden this ride yet we figured out why it did why people were screaming there and we're like oh
4: yeah there's a little surprise at the end and I'm glad that you didn't you know spoil it for yourself before and, and, and read up on it or anything because it, it's worth the surprise
2: <laughs> so going back to the bat how were you feeling when you were approaching the station
4: well again it was you know dealing with that anxiety um has has always been a challenge and you know as I got older you you learn to talk about it more and and which always helps and accept it but also learn your own coping mechanisms and just deal with all that makes you stronger, I think, in in being able to overcome it. But at the time, I wasn't talking to anybody about anxiety. So if I was with a group of friends, and I I think this was I was probably in my teen years when I was trying to get on the bat, you know, you got peer pressure, it's the group's gonna go on maybe a couple times I might have gone like with my father or something and that might have been actually when I made it on was when I was with my dad instead of with the group of friends but you know I would get intimidated maybe just decide I wasn't gonna go on and make some excuse but not going on and I think it was always worth worst when you were with friends maybe that weren't very close to you and you're trying to impress them or something and it's just I don't want them to know I'm afraid so there's a lot going on in a, you know a, a person's head you know when you're dealing Dealing with all that and you're just, you're there, you're supposed to be at there just having a fun day. But when you're dealing with something like anxiety and you've got, you know, that difficulty in getting on a ride, it can be really challenging. And so approaching the station, yeah, I'm sure it was just, you know, am I going to make it through this time? I don't want to look at the ride because it's going to make me feel worse, but you want to also just get it done. Right. Because it's like after a while you're challenging yourself and you know that once you're on it, it's going to be great and you're going to love it. So it's just a matter of pushing through and i can't, i honestly i can't remember when it when it was i actually did ride the bat but it took it took some time and it always helped to try to get my mind off of things too that's the other i think the bat was difficult cuz it's right on top of you but you know and talking to your friends or discussing something else or just trying to pass the time like back then you didn't have cell phones you could play games on <laughs> in line, but I would totally be doing that today. You know, it's uh if it, that would be an easy distraction or texting with friends or something Kids, kids these days have it easy because they've got more distractions I think available to them. But yeah, it was just a matter of, okay, what can I do to get my mind off of the fact that I'm really freaked out about getting on this ride. And sometimes it wouldn't work and I'd have to just leave the line. And be like, nope, I'm not I can't, I'm not doing this today. See you guys at the end or whatever. But yeah, it's just trying to juggle that and, and get your mind off of it and get close enough to get on the thing and get it done. So how did you feel once you rode the bat? Oh, so amazing. Like asking myself, why did it take this long for me to get on it? You know, it's just, it's almost silly. But then it, it, it furthers your resolve the next time you're in another line for another ride or in another situation where you've got anxiety. It's like, I know I overcame that. You know, I did it and it was, and I felt great about it and I I felt a little silly and I, I'm going to, you know, promise myself, I'm not going to let myself get so hung up over the anxiety that it's going to prevent me from doing something awesome again. What a waste of time. Uh, Yeah, it was great. Loved it. I've been on it a lot since, obviously. Yeah, and it's 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 a great ride, and I was happy to to
2: overcome it. So have any of the newer coasters scared you that the park has received?
4: It's funny, because I look back on my experience being a guest at the park, thinking about how I used to hate being in lines and whatnot. And I, I don't know if it's just because in the past four years, I've been on so many rides because of what I do that I just... That fear doesn't exist anymore. I'm, I'm super excited to get on a new ride. Like when Yukon Striker was built... And 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 fun fact, I was the first screamer that Yukon striker ever had (laughs) because before the before the ride was open you know they were testing with water dummies and then they started to test with like our rides maintenance staff I was out there filming or something because we were documenting the build and it was the first you know the first cycles that we were doing and anyways um I had an opportunity to get on it now of course at this point it's not the official first ride but it was just a couple park staff and so I said yeah I want to get on it and it was the park was closed obviously because this was like March or something and it was so cold so the park was quiet and i am get on this thing and you can't ride a roll I can't ride a roller coaster without screaming and I screamed my head off the workers that were in the park were laughed because like people at the other side of the park could hear this person screaming you wouldn't notice that now because like the park's open everybody's screaming but when only one person is screaming like over (laughs) a Anyway, so I, I happily wear that title of being Yukon <laughs> Strikers the first streamer, but screamer. I loved it. I've learned to relax on roller coasters too, which is something I think I just only picked up like when I started working at working uh, a couple years ago at the park, but it's so much more enjoyable. And I, if I would tell anybody to try to learn to relax your body when you're on a coaster and like calm your breathing. And because I think when you tense up and start to panic, and I mean, that's, just, that's Great advice, just for any general type of anxiety, but um, it makes it worse, right? Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. I did slingshot the first time in 2019. That would have otherwise been a scary ride to me too. But I don't know. i have just, it's like cool. I want to see what this one feels like. Maybe I am turning into a bit of a enthusiast and serious thrill seeker. I'm not sure, but no, I love it all.
2: Yeah, I remember when you were doing the updates on Yukon Striker before you know it opened to the public, and the one thing I always remember was in the tunnel you had a spider and <laughs> and we right. start and all everyone started nicknaming the spider yuki i remember that it's like <laughs> we had our little mascot for yukon striker was yuki the spider
4: yeah that's right i was down in that tunnel so much when we were building when we were doing the construction because like when they started to put the the drop together it was super cool to see the pieces come together and yeah and there was this because it was open and I guess it was being, it was undisturbed. There was this massive spider's nest and this cool spider. And I'm, I think the photo still exists somewhere, maybe on my Twitter feed, but yeah. And she was there every day. It we was just like, hey, what's up? That <laughs> <I'm back. laughs> was pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Fun. What I thought was also cool is how you guys drained that little uh, water area next to Vortex to get the track and everything. That was super cool, too.
4: Yeah. We do drain that actually every off season. So it was drained drain for most of 2020 so that we could do work around the area, too.
2: Yeah. That construction was amazing. That was one of the last times I got up there before I got to go to Yukon Striker Media Day and see all the footers and stuff placed. So that was super needs and kind of mm-hmm. trying to fi- trying to figure out the layout of this coaster because at that time we didn't know what it was yeah,
4: that's right
2: <laughs> we didn't know anything we just knew it was possibly a b&m because i think the tarp had gone oh had fallen off of where the one little piece of track was and we're like oh right. it's a and m but we didn't know what kind of b&m it was
4: yeah because we had if i remember correctly we had bu- we built the tunnel mm-hmm. prior to season starting and then covered it up yeah Yeah. and everybody's like what's down there what is it (laughs) It what is it what is it it was a lot of fun for us to watch all the speculation and the guessing and even even today just to this day you know sometimes watching everybody get excited about something and saying what could that be and all the different ideas that pop up and we're like oh and I'm thinking to myself that's not right that's close but
2: (laughs) well and utilizing the park's past too with the map and everything and how it was supposed to originally be laid out that really got guests questioning you know the theme and everything because it's based on, you know, the Yukon territory that's up
4: there. That's right. Yeah. And the gold rush that happened. Yeah, it was fun. We had some fun with the teasers for sure.
2: So how did riding the bat impact your life after riding it?
4: Like I said, it was, you know, it just sort of solidifies your resolve to, you know, knowing that it's like I conquered that. I can do it again with another ride. And I am pretty sure I mentioned the bat and jet scream for some reason were the two that I was most intimidated with and I had to bail on the line for both many times and I'm pretty sure I conquered both quickly within like the same amount of time and I think it was because I did one and I was like I'm gonna just get this done and do the other one and again it's just further drives you you know every success you have makes you stronger and you push harder and so yeah I just sort of started to see the park there were any other intimidating rides which I can't recall at the time maybe flight deck or top gun at the time it was just easier to get on them
2: With as many people as you've ridden with coasters, you've got to have a crazy moment. So, can you share with us what's your craziest moment on a coaster or a ride? It doesn't have to be a coaster.
4: Arthur Levine came to the park in 2019 and he he wanted to do a story about all the coasters and he wanted to ride all the coasters in one day. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I've I've never done that. Like, it's when I'm at the park, well, currently, I do my media thing, which is usually one ride per, you know, whatever media hit segment we're doing. And I went on with my kids. We're mostly in the kids area. Uh, so it, it, I haven't done like a marathon like that. And so I was like, okay. So I went around with him and, and I didn't do all of them, but we rode, mo- like he rode all of the ones that were open. I think there were maybe just two missing. And I don't know how he did it, but that was a crazy day because we literally went from one coaster to another and just kept riding them for his, for the story he wanted to do. So that was, a that was probably my craziest coaster day that I can recall. And now out of all the coasters you've written, Grace, what is your favorite? Oh, it's got to be Yukon Striker. I think not only just because I love the ride and, you know, all the inversions and that 90 degree drop and the view that you see too, but it was, it's the first coaster I've ever seen built from nothing, you know, and, and just watch the entire process of it being constructed. I was out there a lot with my team during the winter months, documenting the build, talking to the the crew and just to see what, what goes into the construction of something like that was amazing to me. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. So I think I feel like sort of a kinship to that, Coaster because it was like the first that I ever saw built. Got to witness its creation. So once it was open and people loved it, it was, you kind of have the sense of pride, you know, and everything that your team at the park has done, and um, all the the different tradespeople that we had in helping to get that done. Um, you know the work B and M did, and yeah. So it, it's it, it's going to hold a special place in my heart for a long time, I'm sure. Okay,
2: so with Yukon Striker being your favorite, what is your least favorite coaster?
4: Oh, I know. I was trying to think about this. Like I said, I haven't been to many parks. So my experience is a little limited and I hate to pick on my own park. (laughs) I've never been on Time Warp. I don't think I would enjoy it. I'm, you know, I'm getting older. Like I'm just going to blame my age (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> not the ride and i don't know that i would i would enjoy it and i know that flight deck used to be one of my favorite coasters when i was top gun and i swear it was the coaster everybody wanted to get on you know every visit we went standing in that line up and listening to you know Kenny Loggins danger zone in the queue line and and in they had these like themed tunnels with like props and stuff from the Top Gun movie and I don't know how many days I spent like in that lineup getting on flight deck because it was just the best for Top Gun at the time but I don't think I'd ride it now if I had a choice that's probably all I'm gonna say about that because I'm starting to feel bad about uh, dissing my own (laughs) parks
2: coasters (laughs) well you know it's an SLC so it's you know SLCs kind of have a bad rep not just that Canada's Wonderland, but at any park too. Yeah. And I and I think that's why I didn't ride it because I had ridden some SLCs and just the comfort on those rides are, are not very great because I usually have like the head banging and just the roughness of everything so I think that's why I, I kind of skipped it but
4: I think I just yeah. need to
2: do it I just need to do it for the credit I really do
4: yeah there you go exactly
2: and the same thing with time warp it was watching them laying down in these like metal cage like things As you're riding this, I'm like, that just doesn't look
4: comfortable to me. (laughs) And maybe it is. Like I said, I have never been on it. And I kind of feel a responsibility as a parks PR person to try everything at least once. It it may still be in my future. So we'll see. I'll let you know.
2: Now that you've shared with us a couple of your favorites with your coasters, let's go on to a couple park questions sure so how long have you been with the cedar fair company what gave you the motivation
4: to apply for your current position uh so it'll be four years that I've been with Canada's Wonderland it was a fluke actually that I applied for the job because um, I was currently working I was in journalism as editor-in-chief for um, paper chain in the city in Toronto I just happened to stumble upon the posting I think it was it came into my inbox through one of those job sites and I wasn't really looking but as soon I saw Canada's Wonderland and communications director like journalism and communications are kind of synonymous common for people to jump from one industry to the other because it was Wonderland and that as I've mentioned it's been such a special part of my life and it's also like 10 minutes from where I was living and I was doing a huge commute at the time anyway I just I had to apply I knew I had to and because I just thought it would be so fun you know to do that job and to work at an amusement park the, the the park that I've loved so long since I was a kid yeah and I think it seemed like such a dream job I just thought I had no no chance of getting it (laughs) I was like negative right from the beginning. I, you know, I did my very best, obviously at all the interviews and stuff, but um, I was just like, oh, there's no way this is like the perfect job. There's no way I'm going to get this. And it just, it worked out so happy that it did because it's, uh, I have a lot of fun doing what I do, you know, and I believe in the place too. I believe in what we do. That's validated every time I see happy families walking the park and just having a great time, especially after the the past year and a half that we've had.
2: So can you share with us something that makes Canada's Wonderland unique compared to other Cedar families? Parks, And again,
4: I'm sure I can hazard my best guess, um, not having been to them all. I have heard, you know, the landscape in the park is is really nice. We have a lot of greenery and trees and like little creeks and things. I think the cobblestone we have in the park might also be unique, which is kind of a nice characteristic. And I think just all the Canadiana stuff pride ourselves on being um you know canada's premier theme park we want that reflected in the identity you know that people feel it really is truly a canadian park when they're there so frontier canada is a big piece of it Got a lot of rides that have names with canadian themes lord we have canada geese all over the place so they're doing their part <laughs> yeah i think that's that's probably the biggest differences
2: yeah and you have a big mountain too that none of the oh yeah have. the
4: mountain that's right <laughs> you have a mountain yeah no eiffel tower for us
2: no Eiffel Towers
4: <laughs> or right. carousels
2: how many Cedar Fair parks have you been to Grace
4: uh only Cedar Point and Carowind at this point so I've got some traveling to do when traveling becomes easier um and again I think with my my kids getting older we're going to be doing a lot more of that so it'll be good to get out because we can actually go on the bigger rides when we're at those parks
2: is there a certain Cedar Fair park that you have uh, like on a bucket list that you are dying to go to I
4: definitely want to get to Knott's Kings Island the history buff in me too wants to get to Kings Island because we were modeled so closely after them and a lot of our early marketing materials like from our opening year because we wouldn't have had a chance to create any of them. A lot of it was King's Island content. So it'd be interesting just to see from a historic perspective. This, you know, similar architecture and whatnot. Those two are probably pretty high on my list. No king's Dominion? You know what? I want to get to all of them. Like to be honest, <laughs> I, want, I want to get back to Cedar Point to actually ride the coasters because again, my kids have been too young. And so it's like I feel like it's almost kind of it's fun for them to like go on the kiddie rides, but it's almost a waste for me to not be able to get on coasters when I go to a park. So I have to do a proper Cedar Point trip as well. <laughs>
2: now what what is the key to success when communicating with your guests as the director of communications?
4: Well, I, the key to communicating with anybody is just make sure you're also listening. That's a big one, and have opportunities for regular feedback because I can communicate to people all all I want, but if I don't stop to listen to what they actually want to hear about or you know what it is that they have to say, that I'm not doing a very good job. But also to know your audience, we have different demographics at the park. A lot of a lot of families. Um, we market to families a lot, but also the younger generation and the thrill seekers. And so depending on what our message is going out, that may change a little bit depending on which group we're targeting. Making sure you understand that group and understand what they are looking for in a park experience too. And experiencing that for yourself, I think really helps as well. Um, I've always felt it's been a benefit for me that I'm also a mom and that I know what it's like to bring a family to an amusement park because there are different challenges there than you know just going with your friends a lot more challenges you know especially if you've got little ones in tow right understanding those challenges and and trying to rise to meet those challenges and help them have a better day I think that really helped.
2: Now what are some
4: of the major challenges or problems you've faced in your role? Overall honestly been great probably when I first started it was a little intimidating Just you know getting up on park knowledge and <laughs> I'll t- well, I'll tell you, the hardest interviews were always the ones I had to do with enthusiasts because they always knew way more about anything than I did. <laughs> and they always wanted to ask like very specific questions about how coasters worked. And I'm thinking, I have no idea how to even answer this. I mean, that was, ne- it was never, you know, a huge challenge or anything that I worried about, but it was just funny that the- it was those interviews. I was usually like, I-, I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. Or I'd have to get research. I'd have to do the research. But there was a lot to learn in the beginning, even though I knew the park for my own personal experience, you know, understanding, I guess picking up on on how marketing works too. Cause again, I came from journalism. So I'm a, I'm a storyteller and a communicator, but I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not a, I don't have a, a background in marketing. Picking up that half was a bit of a learning curve as well, but it's just, just as with any job, a new job that you start, there's a, you know, probably a good year when you're trying to absorb as much as you can. Right. And that was certainly a big learning year for me the first year. So what's your favorite thing to do at Canada's Wonderland. Besides, you know, enjoy a day as a guest with my family again because it's so much, it's so cool to see, to remember the memories that I hold most dear to me from my childhood and, and to see my kids making their own, that's super special. But I think also when I'm when I'm at work, just getting out and walking the park and people watching, particularly around front gates when they just get in and the kids grab the map they're they're opening them up and all excited and pointing to where they want to go first and you know, they've got this jump in their step and you know, and it's just the look of I don't know anticipation, and I don't know, it's just they've got a great day ahead of them, you know, and it's it's fun watching that and seeing that and uh, like I've said before, just re- reminding myself why I'm here. It's pretty enjoyable. <laughs>
0: so Grace, the the mission of Coaster Challenge is, is we're on a mission to help people throughout the country and around the world be able to break their fears, not just by getting on a roller coaster, but trying to help them break their fears that help that impact their lives to make them, we want to help them live better lives. Yeah. And the way how the pandemic has been this past year, it has really showed that there is still a lot of fear in this world, especially in our in the United States, and I'm pretty sure in Canada as well. What advice could you give to those out there that are listening to this podcast that can help them be able to break their fears to help them live better lives? What advice could you share with them that you have gone through in your life.
4: Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I've lived with anxiety my whole life, and it was worse when I was a kid because I didn't know how to talk about it. I think people who who have similar experiences, I think one of the worst things they can do is not talk about it. Feel like they're alone. If I was to give advice to anybody, it would be to yeah to that it's it's okay to seek help, to just talk to people. As soon as I started talking about my anxieties, it was shocking to find out how many people around me had similar issues. You know, we're dealing with the same thing, and it felt almost ridiculous that we had gone so long without talking about it to one another when we could have been leaning on each other, you know, and it became, it was such a normal thing. It was so normal. It's almost, it's just, it's, it, and it—and it's accepted, you know, um, and that there's so much support out there and you will find support among friends and family. You know, when I was, and I was afraid at, to talk about it because I didn't think people would get it or cause I didn't even get it. Yeah. Speaking up, just talking to people and I think you'll find really quickly that you're not alone. And this is, you know, your podcast is is great with you know for what it's what it's doing and i think it's going to help people understand too that people aren't alone if they have fears and just talking about it's going to help them get over it as well well said grace yeah thanks so much for having me guys this has been a lot of fun it certainly is great what you are doing and i hope that uh hope that for those listening um enjoyed our little chat today and if anybody wants to reach out to me as well um you know where to find me on twitter
0: yep and if for those that uh want to know more about candace wonderland where can they find information about the park grace
4: best places online canada's wonderland.com we've also got our social media channels on um, instagram facebook tiktok what i miss twitter
2: All right. Thank you again so much, Grace, for taking the time to speak with us tonight. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to seeing you up in Canada very soon once the border opens. (laughs) Sounds
4: good. All right. We'll get on some closures together.
2: All right. Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Take care. You too.
0: Thank you, Iva. Thank you, Grace. Jen, that was a pretty good interview. It was. Uh, It's really, really cool what she shared with all of us today about Canada's Wonderland and also learning a few really good things, too. Right,
1: so. I like that she's uh, how she s- just happened to stumble stumble across becoming the communications for the park.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Uh, that's pretty sweet. It's a lot of park officials that I've met that have told me that when they started working at the theme park, like they were only doing it for a short period of time. And then all of a sudden they have just grown to love it. And now they've taken on even bigger positions with the company, which is pretty amazing. Um, It's it's really hard to find jobs out there that you can just be in love with and just be able to grow with sink your teeth into. Yeah.
1: That's what I, what comes to mind for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was a really awesome interview, guys. And, uh, yep, we are getting closer and closer to our season finale. We're going to be down to our final six episodes here on the Coaster Challenge podcast. I hope you guys will take the opportunity to, to take a listen on these every Friday. Uh, but, Justin, how can they find us all on social media? If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to see more from us, we upload every Friday. And
1: check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links in the description.
0: Thank you, Justin. Yes, guys, make sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast network and make sure to write us a review. We really could appreciate if you guys can just take a minute of your time just to write us a positive review about our podcast, all the hard work that our team has been doing. You know, the reviews do matter and we really appreciate if you guys just write a positive review about our podcast. A lot of hard work being done here. And also guys make sure to like us on all our social media pages make sure to check out our website at coasterchallengeusa.com and make sure to check out the coaster challenge store we have a lot of cool merchandise and stuff out there you can buy and anything you buy a proceeds of that goes to charity every year but anyway jen we've got another exciting episode next week Woohoo! yep so we hope you guys will be able to tune in with us next friday right here on the coaster challenge podcast But until then, this is David Cantu. This
1: is Jenna Gazelle.
0: We'll see you all next week.
1: Bye.
0: Bye.